Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday morning podcast, but it's not Sunday morning. It's Christmas Eve, so this is our Christmas Eve edition. Thank you for joining us, and if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Over and over, I've seen posts in social media in the last few weeks leading up to Christmas that says, a phrase that says, a weary world rejoices, and this has stuck with me. This seems fitting for our times. Yes, the world was weary the night that Jesus was born, over 2,000 years ago. People lived in the darkness of sin, with no hope of relief, forever separated from God. They had lived in darkness for so long that the darkness was normal. Then came Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 tells us this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land, deep in darkness, a light has dawned. Today, our world is weary again, perhaps in ways that we were not expecting. No one could have imagined this last year. Unfortunately, one of the best words to describe this last year is the word distance. We've practiced social distancing. We've had to quarantine. Special events, gatherings, parties, and holidays have been canceled. We've had to rearrange or even lose our jobs to keep distant. If you have a family member in a nursing home, you keenly understand the word distant. And if you've lost a loved one this year, you understand the word distant. With all this distancing, we feel alone. We're tired. We're weary. And the question becomes, is there room in our weariness this year for rejoicing? And the answer is yes. This is the wonder and the miracle of Christmas. No matter where you find yourself, whatever struggle you face, however down or maybe happy that you feel, at Christmas we come face to face with God. We can rejoice because God has become one of us and he has drawn near to us, erasing the distance between us and him. In John chapter 1 verse 14, we have a profound verse of the Bible that describes Jesus, the Word, taking on flesh and coming near to us. Each word in this verse is bursting with meaning. But tonight, we need to look at just two words, flesh and dwell. In these two words, we find the power and goal of salvation. Because Jesus took on flesh, human form, we can be redeemed. We can dwell in God's presence. The distance between us and God is not so lonely, not so dark, and so we can rejoice. Hear the word of the Lord from John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So let's look at that phrase, the Word became flesh. This single verse begins with the name, the Word. This word is Jesus. He is the creator of the universe and is seen as seen earlier in the Gospel of John and in the first chapter, we're still in the first chapter, all things are made through the word, made through Jesus. But something happens. The word takes on flesh. This should catch our attention. Rodney Whitaker writes, the word, the agent of creation becomes a creature and that thought should stagger us. Have you under, ever wondered why God became a human? Why did he do it? He could have shown up as himself. Could any of us ignore the arrival of God Almighty in wonder and power? The truth is, we could have not handled God unveiled before us. 
There's an example of this in Exodus chapter 33, verses 17 through 20. And the Lord is speaking to Moses, and he says, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Now show me your glory, God. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I, will and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, but I have compassion on whom I have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Jesus did not arrive that first Christmas in unveiled God form because we could not bear the fullness of that glory. Our sin prevents us from seeing the face of God, so he came another way. But why, didn't he, but why did he come as a human? Why didn't he show up as an angel or some other mighty creature? Well, that wasn't his plan. Jesus took on human flesh so that we could know God. When God spoke to Moses, he warned that no one could see his glory and live. But in Jesus, we're told now, we have seen God's glory. He has come to us in a way that we could know him and see him and understand him. Jesus took on flesh for another very specific reason, our redemption. Jesus, born a babe in a manger, was God's working out redemption for us. Sin was a human problem, and the solution had to be carried out by a human. Athanasius, one of my favorite early church fathers, Athanasius of Alexandria, a bishop from the 4th century, one of the critical theologians of the Christian faith, defended the need for Jesus to take on human flesh, and he said this, He became what we are, that we might become what he is. We cannot be restored as a child of God unless God's Son, his only child, first reaches out to us. Hebrews 12.17 tells us about Jesus. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Johannes Brenz says this, because he says the Son of God became flesh, that is, he became weakness, weakness, contemptible, a curse, sin, poor, hungry, thirsty, mortal, and condemned, so that we might be made strong, glorious, blessed, blessed, righteous, rich, full, immortal, and saved. The Word became flesh because that is what was needed to be done for our redemption. In this act, God crossed over the distance of sin and reached out to us. He just didn't leave it for us to figure out on our own. There's a man, uh, his name's Clifford Stewart. He lives to live in Louisville, Kentucky, and the story goes like this. One year, he sent his parents a microwave for Christmas. And here's how he recalls the experience. They were excited that now they could be part of the instant generation. Then Dad unpacked the microwave and plugged it in. Literally within seconds, the microwave transformed two smiles into a frown. Even after reading the directions, they couldn't make it work. Two days later, my mother was playing bridge with a friend and confessed her inability to get the microwave oven even to boil water. To get this darn thing she worked, I really don't need better instructions. I just need my son to come along with the gift. When God gave the gift of salvation, he didn't send a booklet of complicated instructions for us to figure it out. He sent his son, Jesus, in human form so that we might understand redemption. But what about that other word, dwelling? Now the phrase goes, and he made his dwelling among us. 
Remember a few moments ago when we read about Moses and how he couldn't see God's face, that it would be too much for Moses. This has been a problem all through the Bible. God desires to be near us and us to him. We are made for this, but our sin keeps us from being able to draw near to God. Hear the words of King Solomon as he dedicates the temple of God's dwelling place among the people. And he prays in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 18, and he says, But will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I've built? And when God descended upon that temple, no one could enter it. His presence was overwhelming. And it remained this way, God's presence, impossible for us to approach, until Jesus came at Christmas time. But the Bible tells us that Jesus made his dwelling among us. He came here. The distance was too great for us to go to him, but not for him to come to us. And so Jesus dwelled among us so that ultimately we could be restored to God. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 reminds us of the ultimate goal of salvation. It says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne room saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the eternal goal. Time will not separate us. Our sin will not separate us. We will be able to enter into God's holiness. So do you know Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Our world is weary, but as long as we know he who is the word become flesh and dwelt among us, then we have plenty to rejoice about. I want to take just one more moment and read the first verse of O Holy Night, and I think you can hear how the word made made flesh restores a weary world. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, and that is what we look forward to. That's what we celebrate on Christmas Day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Son, Jesus, that you drew near to us where it is impossible for us to draw near to you. Lord, our world is weary. Help us to see more of your glory, Lord. And Lord, I lift up the person who is hearing this message and needs a healing touch from you. They feel alone and distant. Lord, reach out to them. Let them know that they are not alone, that you are with them. You are God with us. Fill us with fresh wonder that you would send your son Jesus to this earth as a baby for our redemption. Thank you. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.